Well, good morning. My name is Dwight Hodney, and I was the church planting pastor ages and ages ago here. So I just want to call you the family of God. I love you. I'm thankful for everything that God has been doing here at the church. It's amazing. I consider that this to be my home church. This is my my home. And uh, it's been that way for a long time, really. But you wouldn't know it because I don't spend much time here right now. So, <laughs> you know, the last 13 years, I've been doing a lot of church work in our district. We have uh, quite a few churches that are in between pastors like this. And I'm the guy that comes in and uh, kind of does the interim work. And so I do that. So, but when I come back, this is home and I feel it. You know, and I come here on Sunday mornings, you know, and somebody comes up to me and says, oh, welcome to our church. Are you new here? No, I'm actually ancient here. And after we laugh a few lines, then we get to know each other a little bit, you know. But I love it here. And uh, speaking of ancient and old... Reminds me that uh, we are wrapping up the Christmas New Year's season here in 2023. And that's uh, amazing. And that's why I think when the leadership came to me and said, well, you're something old. Why don't you, (laughs) you know, preach on New Year's Eve? I said, oh, thank you, I think. Anyway. I kind of feel like one of those old Christmas movies that you pull off the shelf once a year. You know, you kind of watch it, oh, old-time classic type of thing, you know. So I don't know which one of those movies I would be. Maybe I should just leave that up to you after I preach today. And you can tell me, please don't say Die Hard. Or, (laughs) Or, gee, I want to go Home Alone. Maybe, I don't know. But um, I just uh, will leave that up to you anyway. Seriously, it's a privilege for me to be in this pulpit. I did that for 13 years to begin with. Went away for 11 years, came back with Pastor Mark Ramirez uh, for the last four years of my, before my retirement. And, uh, and then that's what I've been doing since then. So it's a privilege for me to be here. So mentioning Mark, from is, is he here today? Is he here? Mark, are you here? No? Okay. Because I have to bring this up, all right? It's, you know, they asked me, all right, can you think of something early on that would help? Yeah, I can, all right? It's uh, early days of the church. Uh, Mark was um, a student at Misericordia at that time. He was attending the church and was helping out with the youth and that sort of thing. And so, you know, I was looking at him as a young guy, and I thought, you know, He's got, some, he's got some talent. He's got some ability. Maybe I'll sit down with him, and I'll help him do uh, what was going on in the trend at that time, help him out with a little bit of Christian rap. <laughs> what? <laughs> you doubt me? <laughs> I mean, you don't think that Mark with a C got here on his own. I think we have some doubters in the crowd here today. I don't know. Maybe you could put up uh, on the wall a, 
a verse of scripture from Philippians 4.13? Okay? Are you ready for this? I remember long ago walking up a mountain road heading to the top of a hill. A heavy cloud moved over me. A fog rolled in. I couldn't see. I stumbled on the rocks. I lost my will. And with a heavy load upon my back, I felt myself begin to crack. I cried out, I don't have what it takes. But in meekness, I reached up to him. He picked me up when things looked dim and made me go when I put on the brake. And that's when I learned I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I know what it means. I'm not finished yet. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> so when you get to thinking life's too hard and the grass is greener in the other yard and hope is just a word that you say, when life moves fast, you've been down, you feel alone like you lost your crown, crushed amid the storms that come your way. When you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're going to put your mind back on the shelf because the word of God just doesn't fit your schemes. The power's gone, the light goes out, and you just stand around and pout. Just listen to these words, don't make a scene. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, now you know what it means. And in the strength of Jesus Christ, we choose to lean. Thank you very much. My name is Dwight with a T. Seriously, we're looking at a text today. That was a beautiful song to introduce this. Heroes are taken. In the passage today, there's some similarities to what went on in Isaiah chapter 6. You've lost a great leader. And Pastor Mark, you're going through a time of transition right now. There are many questions that need answers. You might be wondering, what should we do now when God removes a leader? Well, the text before us that we're looking at in chapter 6 specifically, but some references back to chapter 5, help to answer that question. And I want to share those with you today. I looked at it, and immediately the thought came to me. The Lord just put this right there in front of me as I opened it up. Isaiah's experience has some historical similarities to our experience that we're going through right now at fellowship. Right at the beginning of Isaiah's ministry, he lost a good leader, that king named King Uzziah. By the way, you can turn to that passage, if you will, in your Bibles. He's listed in the very first verse of Isaiah chapter 6. Uzziah was a leader who ignited the spiritual passion of the kingdom of Judah. He was only 16 years old when he became the king. And he ruled in Jerusalem for over 50 years, from 791 to 740 BC. The Bible says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. He restored cities. He pushed back the Philistine countryside. 
which is known today as the Gaza Strip, by the way. And he rebuilt towns along the way. His fame spread as far as the borders of Egypt. He fortified the capital city of Jerusalem in the southern kingdom. And he trained a great army, get this, of over 307,000 men. Now, let's turn from King Uzziah to the prophet Isaiah. And I hope I don't get it all mixed up from this point on, all right? Isaiah was born and grew up under the reign of King Uzziah. And he started to prophesy in the last year of Uzziah's reign. Now, Isaiah was a great prophet. I think we know that any student of the Bible, a great theologian, he was a great orator, I understand, and he had been called the king of prophets. He was the evangelist of the Old Testament. We know that from passages like Isaiah chapter 53 and the suffering servant. He was a reformer. He was a great statesman. His name actually means the Lord saves. It's the same word for Jesus translated in the Greek. Jehovah saves. So his early years saw a time of great, great national prosperity in the northern kingdom as well as in the southern kingdom of Judah. There was a lot of wealth among the people at this time. They had world recognition as a great nation. And so from external appearances, things are very good shape. But there were challenges. There were altars of idol worship that were being erected in the suburbs up in the hills. While Jehovah was still worshipped in Jerusalem. And so there was a double standard that existed now in the country. And God wasn't pleased, as you can well imagine. The country was on the verge of moving in the wrong direction. And so for this reason, King Uzziah was needed. He was needed to stand against it. He fought against idolatry, was able to stop it entirely, but he resisted it. But what happens? Read it in the text. He dies. God takes Uzziah out of the picture. Now, that was when we pick it up in chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, what are the next words? I saw the Lord. Did you get that? Those words struck me as I was asking God for a message to share with you. A good leader had been taken away. A king who stood for good ethics, good government, all of that. He was a symbol of stability in a nation that had grown prosperous under him. But he was human as well. And we understand that. But now he's gone. And God took him. And the reason I think was obvious why God did that, removing King Uzziah caused Isaiah to see the Lord. Losing a leader reminded Isaiah that leaders are under shepherds who are human. We come and go as under shepherds, but the chief shepherd 
isn't going anywhere, right? May God help us understand that as we go through this transition together. Maybe God does remove good leaders just so that we, he gets our attention back on God. Maybe God has to cause some kind of upheaval or allow unstable, deter, deteriorating circumstances outside of our walls. Just to show us to get our focus back on what it should have been from the very beginning. To do something, to step back and to see the Lord. God does that. Maybe he's removed a close Christian friend of yours who was discipling you because you are getting a little bit too dependent upon your friend. In my freshman year at college, an upperclassman who had lost his roommate in a deadly car accident got up at the chapel service and he began to testify of how his roommate who had died had witnessed to him just weeks before he had died and was asked the question, what's it going to take for you to accept Jesus Christ? And with tears in his eyes, the student got up and said, I'm sorry to say that his death is what it took for me to trust Christ. But now I have, and I'm going to commit my life in service to Jesus Christ the way he did. Will God remove someone just so that you get your focus back on God? That's a question we need to ask today. The first place to go, in other words, when God removes a good leader, like Pastor Mark, is to see God in his holy place, which ignites a fire of worship in the soul. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he started to worship God in God's very presence. Now, you probably know the situation here in Isaiah 6. On the day that he saw the Lord, Isaiah was standing in the temple area in 740 B.C. People were mulling around, oblivious to what was going on, when suddenly Isaiah sees the Lord. He perceived the Lord. He understood the Lord. Certain truths began to flood his mind as he gazed on a vision that had appeared to him right there in the temple area. And I want you to see what Isaiah saw when a leader was taken. First, God was seated on a throne. In verse 1. Now, that might just sound trite to you, but it's not. You see, when God sits on the throne, that means something. It means he has total authority over all the earth. He's not wringing his hands. He's not worried about anything. He's sitting down. And you remember when Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, he ascended into heaven, and what happened? He was seated on the right hand of the Father, which meant everything is under his control. All authority, all power was sitting on that throne, and God was above it all. He was transcendent. Number two, God was high and lifted up, and exalted with the train of his robe, filling 
the entire temple area. And what does that mean? It means that he was everywhere. He was not only transcendent, he was intimate. He had every nook and cranny covered. Every corner of that temple area was affected by his presence in that place. Everything else was under him, covered by him, every corner exposed to him. He was intimately involved. And thirdly, surrounding this throne were the seraphim in verse 2, which meant burning ones who were refined or purified by the fire of God. These creatures had six wings covering them. Two wings covering their faces might symbolize uh, submission and humility, two wings covering their feet, two wings that were used to fly. So apparently they were on a trip. They were on a mission. And those, when those seraphim saw the Lord in the temple, they started calling back and forth to each other in verse 3, declaring, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And holy simply means separate from Transcendent, different, 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 uncommon, 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 like nothing we have ever seen in the creation. And Isaiah found himself lifted up into a higher dimension where the invisible became visible, where the future became present. And the declaration of holiness was so loud that the doorposts and the thresholds of this huge temple structure shook. And yet, no one even noticed. Isn't that rather strange? People were mulling around, didn't even notice this, except Isaiah. Because Isaiah's focus was on what should be our focus. He was not focused on a king or a leader who was taken, but on the king of kings who isn't going anywhere. Something happened to Isaiah that would change the direction of his life, the rest of his life. He saw the Lord. And so I ask you on this last day of 2023, awaiting the first day of 2024, have you seen the chief shepherd? Since we lost our under shepherd. Because this chief shepherd will blow you away. (laughs) Trust me. When Moses saw the Lord on the mountain, he became different. His face, his hair, his whole appearance shone with the glory of God. Yeah. When Elijah saw the afterglow of God's glory between the rocks at Mount Horeb, he became a different person. And he stopped running away from his responsibilities. And he went back to where he was supposed to be. When Stephen saw the Lord in all of his glory, he became a different person. Just before he was stoned to death, the fear of death was gone. 
and he forgave his enemies. I am not talking about seeing the beautiful parking lot we have out there. And that's beautiful. We praise God for that. I'm not talking about this beautiful 450-seat auditorium that we now are in. As good as it is. I'm not talking about our four wonderful pastors who are still here and with us. I'm, I'm not talking about buildings. I am not talking about bucks. I'm not talking about bodies. I'm talking about seeing the Lord now. Being blown away by the holiness of our almighty God. And I am begging you to go to your quiet place. Where God says, be still. And know that I am God. And let it blow you away. And just wait. Wait until your strength is renewed. Until you mount up with wings as eagles, as they say. Until you run and not be weary, until you walk and not faint. Anything less than that is a distraction. And that includes pastors who can be a distraction. Sorry, guys, I'm one of you, all right? Pastors can at times distract our focus off of God. Most of the time, that shouldn't be and wouldn't be. But it can and does happen. Oh, we have a pastor now. We don't have to do any more work. He's doing it for us, right? He's going to grow the church. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. No. Pastors edify the saints. They equip for the work of ministry. But the work of ministry is yours and mine. Pastors... Edify. Pastors, some pastors plant, like the scripture says, some other pastors water. But it's God who brings the increase through it all. And it always will be God's glory that brings the increase. Don't get distracted even by pastors. They did in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, I'm, I like Paul. He preaches better than Apollos. Oh, I like Cephas. He's an adventurer. Yeah, read about it in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians 13. It caused divisions. Because their focus was on the wrong thing. They weren't looking at the Lord. And he's not going anywhere. Move along. There's a second vision he saw here. They had lost a good leader. And it caused Isaiah to take a good long look at something else, himself. All right, now we're getting personal. (laughs) And I want you to see it because just like Isaiah, we lost a good leader in Mark, one for 18 years in this church. And I want you to see the same thing here that Isaiah saw. Isaiah saw himself in verse 5. Notice it comes after he sees the Lord. That's important. It's time for us here at Fellowship 
to take a good personal look at ourselves. Now, I know that every month we are asked to do that. Examine yourselves. But I'm telling you to do it now. It says in verse 5, Isaiah looked at himself on his knees, blown away by God's holy presence, and he said, woe is me. I am destroyed. My lips are contaminated by sin. How can I be a prophet? And I live among people whose lips are contaminated by sin. It's the same kind of thing that happened to Peter when Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And they caught a whole boatload of fish. And Peter goes, depart from me. For I'm a man of unclean lips. I Get away from me. I can't. It's that same thing. When we see God in all of his holiness, we see ourselves in all of our contamination. Take a look at yourself. Please. What do I need right now in this transition we're going through? I mean, after, I mean we're, we're a united church. I hear a lot about that. We are a united church. We're such a large church now. We're, we're growing. I mean, look at all the people that we're attracting. We don't need anything. Well, how about humility? How about brokenness? How about the knowledge that Pride comes before destruction. Let's never get proud of what we have here on Hildebrandt Road. I mean, we always did it when we put up the sign on the property before we started building. You remember what it was, some of you old timers? The future meeting place of the fellowship church. Who's the church? Buildings? No. The people. Wherever they meet, two or three, gathering in his name, he's there. Could be in a tent. Or it can be in this beautiful place. Humility, brokenness, and all of that. Just respond, just respond now to being in God's presence and say, okay, search me, oh God, and see, shine your light on me and see if there be any hurtful way in me. And then lead me, lead me in the everlasting way. That's what what we need to do right now in the time of transition because I confess how quickly I can be self-centered, how quickly I can be self-directed without realizing it. Lord, you are faithful and just to forgive my sins, to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. And this God of holiness that causes me such fear is the same God of mercy that causes me to draw near. (laughs) We need that Jacob moment, you know, where we wrestle with God to bless us, bless us, and we cry out. You've called me to bless my world. I need to have my spiritual hip knocked out of joint so that I lean and trust on you for the rest of my life.
That's where God wants you and me right now to look at ourselves. We're ordinary people. Jesus took 12 ordinary men. And about 120 ordinary men and women in that small group in the upper room. It's full of prostitutes, tax collectors who worked for Rome and zealots who hated Rome, fishermen, accountants, whatever. And he changed the world. Ordinary people. Broken. Before him. So first God removes a leader so that I see the Lord. And then God removes my pride so that I can see myself. And then Isaiah, in that moment of looking at himself, a broken man with unclean lips, what happens? He's touched by a hot coal taken from the altar by one of the seraphim. And that seraphim coal touched the contaminated lips of a broken prophet. And Isaiah was set free. Speak into what was becoming a drifting nation. That light and heat from that coal revealed his sin, and it was the same light and heat that healed his sin. And it was the same light and heat that awakened a sleeping prophet to proclaim the truth. And as it was then, it is now. I believe that if you see God, you're going to immediately and honestly look at yourself and say, I need God. And then God will empower you to speak truth into the hearts of the people around you in Dallas, the Back Mountain, the Wyoming Valley, and beyond. When we humble ourselves. So first Isaiah saw the Lord. Then Isaiah saw himself. Now and only now. Isaiah saw the world. The world around him. In Isaiah 6, 11 to 18. What did Isaiah see? I'm not going to take the time to exposit the previous chapter, chapter 5. But you can look at, this, look at that sometime. Let me just list in that chapter, chapter 5, the six woes, W-O-E-S, destructive tendencies, woes, that bring demise upon a nation. Let's look at them. Isaiah saw them creeping in his world. Woes that would become the seeds of of decline, which would send the nation, the southern nation of Judah, into captivity 150 years later. Yeah, it took a long time, but it came. It sent them into captivity, these six woes. Are you ready? Mark them well, America, because those six woes are going to send America into captivity if we don't look around us and speak truth into our culture. All right? Here it is. Number one, materialism. Verse 8, woe to you who add house to house fed by greed. Unchecked capitalism, 
fed by greed, the lust of the eyes. I want to have. Number two, hedonism. Verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks. Addiction. Addiction to pleasure. How can it be bad when it feels so good? Number three, antinomianism. In verse 18, which is another word for lawlessness. Look around you. People steal and kill and break God's laws. A paraphrase of that verse says, Woe to you who haul sin to the, bar- to the marketplace by the truckload. Number four, relativism. Verse 25, 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Oh, oh, have you looked around you? We have changed almost all the definitions of good and evil. Everyone who does right in their own eyes. And if there is no absolute truth, which I hear is going around today, then anything is permissible. And so it goes. It's out there. When truth is whatever I say it is, we are declining into chaos. Number five, humanism, verse 21. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Goes all the way back to Genesis. You should be gods yourselves. Yeah, that's a good idea. And they they took to it. And look what happened. It's John Dewey's Humanist Manifesto. The foundation, by the way, of our American education. The innate nature of man is good. He can be his own God. Favoritism in verse 22. Woe to those who acquit the guilty for a bribe. A court system governed by political ideology, perhaps, rather than truth, is headed for disaster. That's it quickly, all right? (laughs) You go on and do a study on each one of those. But now look closely back at chapter 6, verse 8. God speaks. Now, he doesn't address Isaiah specifically here. Isaiah has his ear to the throne while the triune God is talking to himself. By the way, that's a good reference to the Trinity in the Old Testament. Who's he talking to? (laughs) Ask a Jewish person that. See what they say. Now, Isaiah wouldn't hear what God is saying to himself unless... And please take note of this. He is intensely hungry to hear from God. And and you and I won't hear what God is saying to us at fellowship in 2024 if you don't have your ear to the throne room. Unless you are intensely... What word can I use there? Intensely interested in hearing from God. 
tell me what your heart is saying, God. What is God saying to himself when he looks at his world right now? We know what he said there. Who will go for us? Now, all we have are the words. I wish we could actually have heard it. Was it, oh, who will go for us? Anybody here? I don't think so. I think it was more like, who? Who will go for us? And tears came down from the throne of God. Who will go? Isaiah overhears those words because he was in the presence of God. And he was totally aware of his weakness. And he was filled with compulsion. And again, by the way, God wasn't commanding him anything. The triune person of the Godhead was talking to himself. And Isaiah simply overhears it. And then Isaiah answers out of this broken heart, here am I. Whoops. (laughs) Send me. Send me. You know that Fellowship Church has unfinished commission, don't you? To start a church in an area of spiritual famine. I was inter- it was interrupted <laughs> momentarily. But who would be willing to leave this church for a while at least and go on a mission? To start another church? In a famine area. God wants to do with you. What he did with Isaiah. Who saw the Lord. Saw himself. And then saw the world. So I invite you. To follow the path that Isaiah walked. And if you have little margins in your Bible. Please take this down. Okay. Here's the path that Isaiah walked. Are you somewhere on this path as well? Number one, verse one, Isaiah got concerned. Yeah, he stopped being lethargic. Is that where you are right now? Are you ready to make a decision this morning and get concerned? In verse five, he went on to the next step. He got convicted. Is that where you are? Are you ready for that next step? You're concerned. Yeah, I care, but I'm not quite sure what I want to. I'm not sure what I need to give up. In verse six, he got cleansed. He started dealing with some of the issues that were clouding his mind and he got focused and cleansed when the spirit of God just came upon him. In verse 8, he goes on to the next step and he gets consecrated. He's ready to step forward and make it clear to himself, to God, and to each other, his accountability. I'm willing. 
And then in verse 9, he gets commissioned. Yeah. Put on the shoes of peace. Let's go. Are we ready? It won't be easy. No, verse 9 says people out there are going to hear, but they're not going to understand. They won't be quick to soften their hearts and be healed. But are we ready? Are you ready? Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. You know that Greek word for do? I can do all things. We sometimes think, oh, that's aggressive type thing. No. It actually leans more to the idea of withstanding or overcoming resistance. I can resist no matter what Satan throws at me (laughs) through Christ who strengthens me. I can overcome that resistance. I can prevail against the gates of hell, not by myself, but because Christ strengthens me for this journey. Bring it on. Here I am. Send me. So go to your quiet place. All by yourself. Fall on your knees. Wait for the glory of the all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent God of the universe to fall fresh on you in all of his glory. And in this period we're going through right now, a period of change and transition inside and maybe even deterioration outside of our walls. Our heroes are removed when that happens. Let's understand. God is calling you back to the closet where you see the Lord, see yourself, and see the world. I just want to call for a commitment. I think that's the kind of message this is. <laughs> if you'd be willing to stand. I mean, don't, don't do it if you're not ready, okay? But why don't you go public if you want to? And to say, Lord, here am I. Now, I'm, I may not be at stage, you know, the commission stage yet, but I'm, I'm sorry, Lord, you just moved me to the, I'm I'm concerned. I'm at the moment of conviction and I want to just publicly say, I'll I'll do it. I'll, I'll take that next step. Would you? Let's ask the worship team to come and uh, close the service today. And you feel free to stand as we sing. Okay.